Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 all the way to number 1. Following on our most recent uh, group show, this week is another television show episode. This time, Top 5 TV shows from 2015 to 2020. Mm -hmm. Top 5 TV shows from 2015 to 2020, and I was like... Man, this is going to be an easy list. First one, Gravity Falls. Then I was like, I better go check and make sure Gravity Falls came out in 2015. Gravity Falls came out in 2012. Yep. 2012 Man, was a good year. I know, right? Time flies when you're having fun. And I was uh, I was very sad then when I realized that, man, I'm going to have to double check my list and make sure that all these shows came out at at least yeah. 2015. I, after, after checking like the first three shows that I came up with, I had to go back and do it, delete all of those and do it backwards, basically. Yep. Start checking by year what yeah. shows came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Find a list of shows with yep. the dates and then decide yep. which of those don't suck. Yep. yep. All right, Rodrigo. How about we start with you and your number five? Uh, my number five is um, a show that, um, okay, so very important. Just right off the bat, most of the shows on my list eventually just kind of Stop. disintegrate into nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, um, you can't both, expect every show both, to be yeah, supernatural and run for 22 seasons. Well, I don't mean that. I don't mean that they didn't go that long. I mean that they kind of get bad at some point. But uh, hey, not all shows I, I, can be supernatural. That goes. Yes, not all seasons. shows can be as glorious as supernatural <laughs> from the first to last episode. Completely consistent. Yes, um, that Scooby Doo crossover was brilliant. So that said, uh, my uh, number five is Jessica Jones mm. on Netflix. Mm -hmm. I would say uh, for that first season is probably one of the stronger uh, offerings for that, like that era of Netflix, Marvel mm -hmm. superhero stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it has uh, David Tennant in it. He's super creepy, just like you'd want that character to be. Um, specifically, the first season uh, kind of goes like, what? Like two thirds through, but then like it, it, it finishes strong. Again, um, I would say certainly this is my number five because after that first season, I just didn't didn't see any reason for the show to continue. Um, they, like there just was never anything as strong as the Purple Man. Yeah. Um, which I don't think they ever call him the Purple Man. Uh, Nobody but dresses no, in purple, and they yeah, use nothing. Nothing as strong as Kilgrave. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my number five, uh, Jessica Jones. Yeah, uh, I do have one of those shows on my list as well. We'll get to that in a little bit. My number five is a show that just came out and I'm really digging every part of it from top to bottom. It's Lovecraft Country on HBO. It is an adaptation of the Matt Ruff book by the same name, which follows uh, black characters in the 1950s as they deal with Jim Crow laws but also Lovecraftian horrors and not just Cthulhu. I know a lot of people uh, online have said, well, there's not enough Cthulhu in it or where are you going to see the, you know, this thing show up? And it's like, no, that's, you know, Lovecraft's horror is there in a lot of different ways. But the legacy of Lovecraft, unfortunately, is racism. And so here you have strong black characters who are fighting against Lovecraft's racism through these horrors that are being presented in the show. It's very well done. At the time of this recording, I think it's the fifth episode just uh, was released. And it's the one where, well, 
let's just say there's some body horror stuff that are going to freak a lot of people out if you haven't seen that episode already. But uh, even though the season's not done, love this show. Cannot wait till Sunday nights when it releases. Uh, it is my number five show of the last five years. So that's how good I think this show is. Hulu Matthew, what do you? The, yeah. yeah. Hulu is the Pikachu of, of Lovecraft's gods, definitely. <laughs> I, I would, I would say so. I would definitely say so that uh, that's where it falls. And certainly uh, Cthulhu has been cutified over the last 20 years uh, as he gained popularity. They're like, oh, how can we make this a, a cute toy or a cute game or a cute children's book? Uh, where the real horror of, of Lovecraft is his his racism. I mean, literally, uh, Stephen Miller would look at Lovecraft today and say, dude, you're a little bit too intense even for me. <laughs> so that wow. is that that is that is Lovecraft Country on HBO. Again, highly recommended. But it's my my number five, Matthew. And I'm I'm saying it's highly recommended. What do you have for your number five? My number five is also highly recommended. I will say that it is a show that is now in season five, so it barely fits in the category. But it does, in fact, fit in the category because it debuted in 2016. And season five is the best. Season one is a little bit shaky. Uh, but my number five, Legends of Tomorrow on the CW. Because they finally got their their formula for lack of a better word solidly down and in place so you've got you know the drama of the arrow and you've got the lightheartedness of the flash and you've got some of the goofiness of supergirl but you've also got an ensemble cast of just utter dregs of the dc universe i do not use the phrase d-listers myself because every hero is a hero and should be treated as such but these guys are the people, or if you use such horrific terms, you would definitely call them that. And by season three, they've fallen into a really wonderful expectation that they're not very good at what they do, but they still have to do it and figure out how to make their weird synthesis of powers and personalities and you know manipulativeness work. And it always reminds me of Critical Hit. Um, because they're the best there is at what they do, and what they do is not be very good at what they do. Um, and of course, it has John Constantine in it in the last couple of seasons. It has a Firestorm, uh, a Professor Titanic Jesus plays Firestorm, or half of Firestorm. Uh, Brandon Ralph, who used I thought to be he was Superman. Done. Or are you talking about specific seasons? He was in the first three seasons. Okay, all right. Uh, Brandon Ralph, um, who used to be Superman, is now playing Blue Beetle, even though they call him the Atom. Uh, it's really an interesting show. It's a great kind of ensemble cast that changes every season. The last two seasons have had, no kidding, the mighty Isis from the 70s TV show or a modern version of her. Obviously, they can't call her that because, you know, that name means something different now. But if you haven't been watching Legends of Tomorrow, you're missing some of the best television superheroes. And I feel some of the most joyful appreciation of the goofiness of comic books that still works as really, really good drama. Plus, you know, some of these actors are pretty awesome. Nice, 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 nice. I did not put any CW shows on my list. Um, I almost didn't. And then I was like, you know, I really enjoy yeah, the you last really enjoy, seasons Yeah, of you Legends. really enjoy the Legends of Tomorrow, but uh, some people might be surprised that that I did not put the flash on my list. And it's just, no, anybody who's super, heard us talk about the flash. Knows yeah, it's, you don't enjoy it's it. super, super hit and miss. I enjoy it, but it's, it's really hit and miss. 
All right. I think we have uh, finished our number fives. We are off to number four land. And Rodrigo, what lands in your number four? So my number four, uh, you might think is here because the original version of the show was created too early in the timeline. And so I needed a stand-in. But the fact of the matter is that Steven Universe Future, which is meant to be a companion series to Steven Universe, is actually pretty good on its own. Um, I, again, because from the beginning, going in, you know that it's supposed to follow up on Steven Universe. It kind of clears a lot of its expectations of what you are going to do and what you're going to see. Um, you know, the the big, uh, the big tense standoff of the universe in uh, Steven Universe is now resolved. And all that is left to do is see uh, basically how your child soldier messiah hero deals with everyday life after war is done. And uh, spoiler alert, it's not well. Um, and that's actually what's really strong about Steven Universe Future. It's, uh, it's kind of a set of tropes that I really enjoy, which is that sort of like soldier returning home and how they adapt to life and what they bring with them. Um, and it's doing it in a kids program and is doing it with like really kicking songs. Steven Universe Future still brings it as far as the songs. And you get to see a few things that you didn't get to see originally during the run of the show. Um, you get to catch up with old characters, meet some new ones, and have fun with your uh, metamorphic space rock friends. Nice. So yeah, my number four, definitely Steven Universe Future. Very good. Very, very good. Uh, my number four just came out last year. And at first I was like, uh, this could be a real mess just because the last three movies that they released were kind of a mess and fandom is starting to kind of feel like it's waning. And then once again... Uh, in comes John Favreau. And when you just say, okay, John Favreau, take whatever property you want, go away, leave us alone. If it turns out okay, then great. If not, we're not expecting too much from you, even though you've won many awards and accolades, accolades for your work. Just, just go do something with this Star Wars thing. We got a streaming service coming up. We need something. And uh, John Favreau goes off with, uh, what's his Dave, Dave Fellini, and they come back with The Mandalorian. And when I watched it, I was like, eh, I don't know about this. And then all of a sudden the child shows up and then you're like, oh, I'm kind of all down for this. And it really kind of follows along a lot with the Mandalorian history that picks up in uh, Clone Wars and in um, Star Wars Rebels. And so you really get to see another aspect of the Mandalorians and their way of life and why they had to be scattered to the to the five winds uh, when the Empire uh, dropped in. And it's this really space. It's a space Western. It is a Sergio Leone uh, uh, space Western of a, uh, even lone wolf and cub is really what it is yeah. of, uh, the, the bounty hunter, uh, taking care of the child and protecting him. And the second season's coming out in about a month, uh, the end of next month, October. And I'm down for it. The, the new trailer dropped today and I'm down for it. And it reminded me that, oh man, I really, really, really enjoyed that show. And it's another one that I got excited every Thursday night or whenever it released, uh, to sit down and, and watch that uh, as soon as I could, because I didn't want to wait. So Mandalorian came, came out in 2019. It's my number four top five shows in the last five years. It was almost on my list. It got bumped. And oh, I feel like I'm, I'm very glad disappointed you in it. you. The child is very disappointed <laughs> in you. 
Let the child be disappointed in me. I could give a rat's. But here's the deal. It got bumped for another show, another science fiction show, a science fiction show that's very neary and deary to my heart. Because back in the day when Stephen and I were young, um, you can start singing the Flock of Seagulls if you want, Rodrigo. When Stephen and I were young, we actually went to college and worked at a television station, sort of, kind of. And sometimes when we were working at that television station, we would go and watch other television programs. And one of the programs that I would intentionally watch was Star Trek The Next Generation, which I really appreciated in the 80s. And I never really found that kind of love with any other Star Trek show until 2017, when it wasn't even a Star Trek show. My number four is The Orville which amazingly stars Seth MacFarlane of Family Guy Notoriety. And he is basically picking up the torch of what I consider to be classic Star Trek. Now, again, Seth MacFarlane is in his 40s, as am I. And I'm sure that it's all intentionally designed to play upon my specific proclivities for science fiction. But I really enjoy the way the Orville combines that Star Trek sort of happy, upbeat, you know, future where there's a hopefulness to it. It's not necessarily all doom and gloom, but they can still do drama. They can still do, you know, dark themes. They can do huge intergalactic wars, but they also do it with sort of a modern pop culture feel. Uh, Captain Mercer actually has a Kermit the Frog pillow, or a plushy toy, rather, on his desk. So basically, if you ever wanted to see Star Trek, done through the lens of people who grew up watching Star Trek. And I know that sounds terrible, but it's really not. I recommend the Orville simply because the Orville takes a lot of chances that even modern Trek doesn't yet. And I feel like it's got a lot of wonderful things going for it. Not the least of which of course is the appearance again of uh, professor uh, Titanic Jesus as one of the fleet admirals. And it's got a really, really strong cast, and I'm really looking forward to it coming up. I think it's coming back on Hulu now. But nonetheless, I'm really looking forward to having this show back because it reminds me of the science fiction that I grew up watching, where you're like, oh, the universe could be better someday, and we're not necessarily all doomed. And I really appreciate that. So that's why the Orville is my number four. Very nice. Hitting our number three stride already. Already we're hitting number three. Ready. Already, uh, Rodrigo, what is your number three top TV show of the last five years? Well, it's not the Orville, although Aww. I had it. I had it on my list for a while, but uh, it it did get bumped down. Um, That's okay. I had Steven Universe Future, and I said, you know, Rodrigo's got this covered for me. Yeah, I I, I suspected that one of you guys was going to bring up the Orville. So <laughs> instead, I'll tell you what I've been. What I've been doing a lot of recently. Um, so there's this show. Uh, so I do have a CW show on my list, uh, which is uh, the show that came out in 2015. It's called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, it is a musical show. Every episode has at least one musical number, often two, usually original numbers. Um, although sometimes they'll do reprises of previous episodes numbers um, like you do. And it's it's just really fantastic television, except that the premise of the show is that the main character who has 
some diagnosed and undiagnosed, like, you know, depression and anxiety issues, decides to throw away her career to go find happiness with uh, this guy that she dated for like a month in summer camp when they were teenagers and has not seen since. Um, And just hilarity ensues. And it is funny and it is really wacky. uh, But a lot of the time I'm like, I would work very hard to cut out someone like Rebecca from my life. Like, she is actually really terrible for herself and for everybody around her. And you just constantly see the results of her craziness. Um, and, and not necessarily, not not meaning like the results of her mental illness, but rather the results of the fact that she's not an introspective person, right? She never like looks at herself and says, am I really doing this because I want this or am I doing it because I'm sad? Uh, that's a running joke in the show where people will like tell her that and she will like ignore them or like burst into song or whatever. Um, So I'm watching crazy ex-girlfriend and I'm like, okay, I'll watch until the end of season one, because I know that I'm just going to start getting tenser and tenser about Rebecca's life path. And then I look at the thumbnails for season two and I'm like, Oh, Greg's drinking song. Oh, love triangles. The songs in this show are so good. They really are. They're really good show tunes um, across multiple styles, often parodying other things that are popular. And I'm just like, I got to watch another season. And right now I'm probably two thirds of the way through season two. And, you know, now the plot has like really thickened, so I can't really stop. So I might just end up watching the whole thing and just just getting progressively more and more tense uh, between the release valve of each, you know, pretty amazing song. Yeah. Uh, I have not watched uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but when it was first uh, launching, I became, I was like, who's this person they keep talking about and why does she look so familiar? Rachel Rachel Bloom is the creator of this show and she's also, you know, does a lot of other things. We found her major spoilers found her. I want to say maybe in 2009 10 or 20,000. Yeah, 2010, 2010, 2010 yeah. is when uh, this song came out called F me Ray Bradbury, which <laughs> is a song that she released for Ray Bradbury's 90th birthday. And she just goes into and puts all these um, takes all of Ray Bradbury's titles or characters or themes in all of his books and turns them into sexual innuendos and uh, just how much she wants to bang Ray Bradbury. And I was like, this person is brilliant. And I followed her for a long time. I think it was on her YouTube channel and yeah. um, and watched a lot of her her music videos. And then, of course, she got into TV and then she stopped updating uh, the YouTube channel because she'd already gained success with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and a bunch of other stuff. So uh, I'm very familiar with her work and she's very good at it. So I imagine uh, she has got to be great on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She she is. And uh, now you can find clips of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend Live, mm-hmm. which is this concert that they did. Um, so, I, again, if you've already watched it, now there's more Crazy Ex-Girlfriend sort of like base stuff. And honestly, Rachel Bloom, Rachel does stuff. Uh, Rachel Bloom's channel. If you go back to the old stuff, there's some hilarious stuff oh, yeah. uh, there, too. Um Sugar Ray, the jukebox musical mm-hmm. and Space Jam are two like particularly good things that she has there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. 
All right. Um, thank you for that. Number three. My number three uh, also came out in 2019. I or maybe it came out in 2020. I don't know. Time has no meaning anymore. I know it came out in the last five years. It is a TV series that asked the question, what after Watchmen? What what happened after the events of the comic book Watchmen? Not the not as, Watchmen no. ended and no. it ended. The TV series is really, really good in that it takes us forward to modern times. It takes a look at racism in Oklahoma. It takes a look at, you know, what happens when the you know, heroes have been outlawed, but we have to mask our heroes and what happens to those people behind the mask and how does uh, being a hero or using a mask give you um, permission to do certain things or not do certain things. And then it kind of uh, brings in the characters that we followed from uh, the previous from the, the source material and kind of expands on their stories just a little bit to where you kind of get maybe for some characters, maybe a little bit more of a satisfaction, satisfactory uh, conclusion. But uh, Regina King, who plays the lead in Watchmen, is just phenomenal. And what happens to her character at the end just leaves you sitting there going, hmm, I wonder what if and what will happen next. And the best part is you're never going to know because the creator of the show said, unless there's something that's going to blow my mind, we're not doing a second season. And HBO has said, OK, that's fine by us, because the first season was really, really good. HBO is where you can watch it. HBO Max, if you've got the digital service, Watchmen, highly recommend it. Uh, whether you are familiar with the source material or not. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely my number three favorite TV show in the last five years. I've watched it, I think, three times now since its release. Uh, Matthew, what do you have for your number three? Well, I am on HBO Max with you, which I think is good. And I'm still in that, uh, you know, futuristic kind of science fiction realm with the, with the Watchmen, which is good. However, also Cowboys, because my number three is Westworld which is really hard to describe. There's been three seasons of Westworld, and each season is basically its own thing. But I was really, really impressed, because as I always do, I didn't necessarily play along when people started you know, live-tweeting every week about, oh my god, Westworld is amazing. So after it was all done, I accidentally ran into like episode three on a late-night viewing, and I stopped, and I went and watched it. From the beginning, I actually, you know, marathoned the whole season, managed to get my whole family interested in this show, which is very rare. Um, but Westworld is a really, really great program, especially in that first season where they're kind of analyzing what is the nature of reality? What is the nature of consciousness, time, space, and dimension? Are you alive? Am I alive? Can we prove that anybody else is alive? And that may sound like the kind of thing that you ask your friends when you have a sandwich and whether, you know, Rodrigo seems the same color blue that I see. But when you put it together with those scripts and with those actors, Anthony Hopkins, um, oh my God, what is that woman's name? Evan Rachel Wood is amazing. Thandi Newton is amazing. All of it comes together into just an amazing series. And even the darkest, most horrifying moments, they're in there. Everybody dies in this. Uh, at least once. And because many of them are, in fact, animatronic robots, they can come back from dying. But that doesn't make it any less traumatizing when they die or when you see them die. And so as you watch this, first of all, keep in mind, nothing is what it seems to be. Second, nothing is what it seems to be. And third, did I mention number two? You should go back and look at it. I remember 
wondering about a particular plot point in season one, forgetting about it, saying, no, that can't be true, getting to the last second to last episode and going, oh, my God, it is true, and it's weirder than I ever thought. So if you want something that is thoughtful and creative and surprising, especially if you're a genre savvy idiot like me who's seen everything, including the original Westworld, Yul Brenner's amazing. If you want that, if you want to be surprised with your entertainment, I recommend at least season one of Westworld. Season two is a completely different beast. Season three is something entirely different. I like all three of them. Some people have problems with seasonal decay. I feel like if it's three different shows and three different seasons and I like them all, what's not to love? Yeah, um, I am. A, I have lots of theories on seasonal decay, especially when it comes to comedies. That's why there are no comedies on my list. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it but it's it's real and it's sad when it happens. Um, I think I started watching season two. But the, again, the, the problem that I had back then on um, Westworld was that it also came out every week. But I would always forget that it came out. And so it'd be like three or four weeks later and be like, oh, yeah, I need to watch Westworld again. And by then I'd kind of lost interest. So I need to go back and revisit that show. Set your DVR is what I do. And yeah. then when you have a few DVR. of them, you can just watch it and then erase it. I can just go to HBO Max. I, DVR. I, I don't have a DVR. I just go to HBO Max and you I can watch it all there. Huh? How do you watch TV without a DVR? You get a DVR. I open up HBO shows. Max. I watch up Netflix. I open up Hulu. I watch uh, open up uh, iTunes. All that stuff. So much work. If I just tell no, my DVR not. to get my shows for me, they're all in a pile. <sighs> this is I this mean, is shows from the last five years, not DVRs from twenty years ago. Matthew Peterson. Anyway, it could be DVR from twenty years ago. If I watched it the last five years, are we on know. our number twos already, Rodrigo? Yes, we are. Uh, let me see. Uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Steven Universe, Matthew and Steven argue about technology. Yeah, number two. <laughs> what do you got for your number it two? It is number three. We yelled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number two is a show that I feel like it's... Are you it's, like Synesthesia kind of stuff or something? Uh, no, it's a it's a show that just really speaks to me, and I'm not really sure why. I think it's because the main character had a somewhat somewhat similar um, uh, early adolescence, uh, the, like I did, um, or, or to mine. Uh, although I didn't discover that until like two seasons in when they flash back to his adolescence. Anyway, uh, the Atlanta. Um, so oh, yeah. Donald Glover um, as Ern, and I, he just kind of rolls through this life um, trying to get by. He's got a lot of responsibilities, makes a lot of mistakes. Often you can see his pride coming to ruin things for him from a mile away and you're like oh Ern, don't do it and then he does um and uh i don't know it, there's something about this show that i just really that just really gets to me um when i started watching it that first season i had to stop three episodes three-ish episodes in um and like take a break from it and i don't really know what it is and i think there is something about atlanta that reminds me about growing up in Los Angeles. Um, and, uh, but I, I couldn't tell you exactly what it is. Um, but 
I don't know. I just like I really empathize with Ern. I feel like a lot of the time he lets me see what my decisions would have been if I hadn't stopped to make the right decision. If I hadn't said like instead of being mad about this, I'm just like actually going to do what's best for me or for other people or whatever. Um, Ern very frequently makes decisions out of anger or out of desperation. And you get to see the fallout of that. And I think maybe that's that's what I feel about it. Uh, yeah, it's just like, it's a great show. It's weird. It's really funny. It's really weird. That's another thing is that like, it's purposefully a very strange show. There's oh, like the, literal the Michael incongruous things. Yeah, things that don't make any actual sense, like an invisible car. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or that yeah. episode where it's just... Uh, the guy was just uh, get out, not that get out, the other get mm-hmm. out. Um, and uh, and yeah, this like Michael Jackson like uh, person um, just in a house together for an entire episode. Uh, it's super weird, but I really like those episodes too. I actually really like the episodes of Atlanta that Ern isn't in. It's like one of those episodes of Doctor Who that the Doctor's not in. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of get to see that world through other people's eyes. Yeah. It's, you know, it's good. Yeah, yeah, Atlanta. Definitely What's watch the, it if you haven't if you hadn't had a chance to. Yeah, the the Michael Jackson episode, the one where Paperboy is stuck in the uh, trying to get his hair done. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed that one as well. Any of the ones with um, uh, what's her what's her name? Um, Sassy Beats. Yes, Sassy Beats. Uh, those are all really good when you're looking at her life and how she's dealing, coming from a a wealthy family but not wanting to deal with that wealth. Uh, oh, I yeah. think is fascinating as well. Yeah. Here's the thing. So much commentary about the black experience uh-huh. and also about white people and their relation to the black mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Also, if you're from Atlanta, you probably relate to a lot of the things that go on in this show. Uh, this show came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. It's only had two seasons. Yep. The well, third that's season won't even come Gambino out. You know, is at all times blowing up. Yeah. The third season won't even air until 2021. And they're shooting seasons three and four together. So we've got two more seasons. I I said earlier in the show, I can't remember why I had Hulu. Rodrigo reminded me Atlanta is the reason why I have Hulu. So, yeah, Yeah. that's a that is a great that is a great uh, number two, Rodrigo. My my DVR has FXX and I can just record it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mine, though, have no commercials. Uh, My number two. I mentioned that uh, we're gonna. I was gonna have a Marvel show, a Netflix Marvel show on here. One of the interesting things is once the once John Favreau saved Marvel Studios, the second time that John Favreau has, has been mentioned uh, in in relation to these shows. Once John Favreau saved Marvel Studios, uh, and they kind of were pushing him around, uh, Disney and the powers that be eventually said, you know what, we should take some TV shows and make TV shows out of these properties as well because we just can't make movies out of every single thing. And so we got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and we got Agent Carter and those were fine, maybe not so good because I think some people wanted something rougher. And then they said, you know what? We're working with Netflix now. We're getting out under under that Disney umbrella. We're going to go over to Netflix and we're going to make something that's a little bit more rough, a little bit more tumble, a little bit more uh, in your face. And we promise it's going to be good. And the first one that they announced was Daredevil. And a lot of people kind of were like, "Uh, I don't know, this is going to be the first one that's not. I mean, it's still Marvel Studios doing it, but they're doing it in conjunction with Netflix. And people were a little leery of this until you got to that first or second episode. And then people were like, 
oh my God, this is a show you have to watch. And the very first season of Daredevil, kind of the second season is, I can go with the second season as well, but the very first season of Daredevil is so, so good. Uh, Jessica Jones would have been on my list, uh, Rodrigo, but you know, then I re- remember that Daredevil came out in 2015 yeah. and it was so good that uh, just the cinematography, the way that they were dealing with, how do you set this in the Marvel universe without mentioning all of the things that happened in the Marvel cinematic universe. And uh, I really enjoyed their take on, you know, these uh, hell's kitchen characters, uh, daredevil season one. Again, I've probably watched that th- well, four or five times uh, since it's come out uh, just because it is that good. And it really deserves this spot in number two on my top five shows of the last five years, daredevil over on, well, I don't even know. Is it still on the Netflix or is yeah, it? Yeah, uh, it's, it okay. yeah, I think Netflix has the rights and pretty much in perpetuity. Okay. I, I figure at some point Disney's going to say, nah, you don't have the rights to that anymore. Come over to Disney Plus. So, uh, and even then it won't even be on Disney Plus because it's a little bit too hard. I would, I would imagine that if anything like that happens, then they're just going to work out a like, it's on both kind people, of deal. People today are still using the hashtag save Daredevil or bring Daredevil back. Um, I think there would be a mass riot if Disney was like, yeah, we're taking that off Netflix. You're not going to be able to see it on Netflix anymore. And it's too hard for Disney plus. So it's just going to kind of disappear into the dark. People would just riot and, uh, storm the magic kingdom. Also a very good book for you to go out and read, but daredevil, my number two top five show, Matthew, what do you have for your number two? My number two is not daredevil because I didn't care for it, but I appreciate that you love it, and I love that you appreciate it. No, my number two is a show that I always feel bad about because it came out at a time of just peak television. And I love it, and I try and champion it to people, and they're like, what? I don't know what that is. And I'm like, no, 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 it's really, really good. I mean, you know, you love Hank Azaria, right? Hank Azaria is, is an American treasure. Uh, even though Agador, Spartacus, and Apu are very, very problematic, Hank Azaria is an American treasure. And you love your J.K. Simmons, and you love your Amanda Peet. Why don't you watch my number two, Brockmire? Uh, it's an IFC program. Four seasons, eight episodes each. So you could literally watch the whole thing in a weekend if you really got bored. And much like Legends of Tomorrow, each season is kind of its own thing. The first season is kind of a redemption story with a main character that we've seen before. You know, he's this hard drinking, uh, former person who had a meltdown. He's trying to rebuild his life, but there's a weird sort of hopefulness and also just utter bleakness to the character that I love just the balance of let's try and do something new. Nope. We're all screw ups. Okay. How can we do this? Even though we're all screw ups. And, by the time you get to the fourth season, they've actually done four different independent arcs. They've jumped a little bit into the future, and of course, then they're able to do you know some future gags that are just incredibly prescient. Especially you know if you love 2020 the way I do, season four of Brockmire will at least allow you to laugh at it uh, while you're probably choking on smoke and all of the other things. So. If you've never seen Brockmire and you never heard of Brockmire, honestly, I'm not surprised. Apparently, it comes from a funnier die sketch. I wouldn't hold that against it. 
It's a really, really good show. It's centered on a character who you can really get behind and appreciate, even though he's a terrible person. And he eventually admits that he's a terrible person and tries to be a better person. And it doesn't work right away. And I love that. I love the fact that it takes a while for him to stop being the terrible person that he knows he is because he can't stop doing the things that he does that are dumb. And that's why Bruckmeyer is my number two. And you've probably never heard of it. Oh, no, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's really, really obscure. No, I've heard of it. You know, my favorite frequency is 27 hertz. You've probably never heard it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have hit the top of our list. The number one spot. And Rodrigo, you get the honors of, of launching our number ones this week. Yeah, so if you want to talk about um, sort of sleeper hits, there's a lot, a lot of really good animation going on right now, and a lot of good animation that has come out in the past few years. And my number one show that came out in these past five years uh, is Infinity Train. Have you guys? watch any infinity train i have not i know you've talked about it before but uh please refresh my memory on what it is about and where we can find it so infinity train is um the first season of infinity train is about a girl named olive i think no tulip sorry um who uh has some issues with her parents and you know she's a teenager she's got some some issues she's very smart but she does there are certain things that she really does in her life that she really doesn't want to be dealing with and suddenly she finds some, herself on this train and the train uh each car is uh potentially any size on the inside right so the cars are all the same size on the outside but they can be different sizes on the inside they can be train car size or they can be the size of like an entire country on the inside. Um, and so she kind of moves from car to car trying to get uh, towards the front while also trying to figure out what's the deal with this train. Um, is she supposed to be trying to get to the front? Um, what happens when somebody leaves the train? What happens like, where are they? Where is the train? Like when she looks out, she's not in, you know, Minnesota or wherever she's from anymore. So it's, uh, there's a lot going on. Then the second season picks up following a character that appears for a little while in the first season. And it's kind of mind blowing that that character ends up being the protagonist of the second season. Um, it's really really good and really surprising. I haven't watched the third season because transitioning into what Steven asked, it's on HBO now, which I don't have. Um, but if you have it, you can watch it there. This is a cartoon network show. We watched the first two seasons on Amazon prime, which bought them. Um, but uh, I am guessing that from here on out, um, they're going to be sitting on if they make any new seasons after this, they're going to be sitting on HBO for a while before you are able to buy them on Amazon prime. Cause I don't think they're going to pass up on that money. It's just kind of like that exclusivity thing that goes on for a while. Like how you can't uh, for a while they had like Amazon prime had uh, doctor who episodes for free, mm -hmm. um, but not right away. 
you had to either get them from the BBC or bite the bullet and buy them from Amazon ahead of time. And then, you know, months and months later, you'd be able to watch them for free if you somehow managed to not do that. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure they've got something worked out. But yeah, I can't watch season three is what I'm getting at. That's because it is a Max original. So you can only see it at, right now on uh, probably HBO and HBO Max. Yeah, well, uh, that's where you, you can find it. So a lot of, a lot of shows doing that. I think isn't Cartoon Network owned by, I guess that's a uh, Turner. Is Turner still owned by, uh, um, Warner Brothers slash at and Oh, maybe now. it is Viacom. I don't know who owns it, but certainly Infinity Train, it looks like the only place where you can watch it is on the Max. Yep. So there you go. All right. Uh, let's see. My number one, uh, should come as no surprise. I gush about it as often as I can. In fact, I gushed about it in the very last top five episode that we did. Stranger Things. Something about the first season of Stranger Things hits all of my uh, cool parts. Uh, the 80s nostalgia, uh, the spooky ghost and uh, mystery stuff, uh, being a young kid and saving the day, some great acting in the show, some very cool practical effects and digital effects that look practical in the show. Uh, really, really enjoyed how they mined uh, everything from the 80s that, you know, from that specific year of the 80s. I think it's 81, 82 when this when the show opens up. Uh, how they mined so much for that first season and put it in there to make it really feel like you were in that time period. And really, unlike that, uh, what's that 80s show, The Goldbergs, where it's like they're trying to mine the 80s, but they're doing such a great job of of mining the late 90s, early 2000s Southern California instead of, uh, instead of where the show is actual set. Uh, Stranger Things does a really good job of depicting that era that socioeconomic classes that uh, showed up in that era and certainly uh, triggers a lot of things from my memory of those days. Uh, this one, I think, does suffer from uh, seasonal uh, <laughs> decay. Uh, I think the first season is better than than the other ones that have come out. Um, the third one was not my favorite, although it was still solid, but uh, definitely worth checking out over there on the Netflix. You can set your DVR for that, Matthew. Uh, Stranger Things. Uh, is my number one TV show of the last five years. Matthew, what do you have for number one? Well, it's on my DVR right now. You can't DVR Netflix. How dare you? <laughs> so here's the deal. When it comes to the shows on my list, one thing that I have said over and over is it seems like each season is its own thing. Now, if you said to me, what show am I talking about? The first thing that would pop out of my head is my number one choice, The Good Place. I am not necessarily a fan of Parks and Recreation, but my kid is a huge fan. And she's like, yeah, the guy who made Parks and Recreation made this new show. And I'm like, okay, well, we can watch it. She's like, no, you have to watch it from the beginning. I'm like, okay. But we accidentally watched the beginning of season two first. And then went back and watched all of season one. And here's the thing about The Good Place. It is a sitcom about ethics, morality, life, death, the concept of good and evil, whether an afterlife exists. And if it does exist, what might it be like? And aren't we all still terrible people? And the answer is still yes. And it manages to be incredibly funny while teaching you about these actual ethical conundrums and dealing with real philosophical problems. There's an episode about the trolley problem, which is a, a you know one of those major philosophical uh, goo things. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. 
But I can tell you that the answer that the show gave us is absolutely wrong and also hilarious and maybe a little bit bloody. And that's kind of funny. The end of season one is a huge shocker. And then you get to season two and it ends with an even bigger shock. And then season three ends with a moment where you're like, oh, my God, where can the show even go from here? And the place that it goes actually ends up being so incredible. It's one of those shows that we've talked about seasonal rot in this episode. We've talked about, you know, flanderization and changes and shows just not not having it, not keeping it up. The Good Place never jumped any sharks. It never fell down on the job. The worst episode of this show is excellent. The best episodes of this show are some of the best television I've ever seen. And, you know, I throw around words like legendary, but I seriously mean it. This is an incredible show. You really should watch it. I feel like you should. Even if you're a person like Steven who got mad because he figured out the twist early. Yeah. Like the first, show epi- is about first episode more than the twist. I know. I know. And that's that's the thing that ruined it for me is like the first ep- the end of the first episode. I mess- messaged Matthew and I was like, hey, is this the is this the big twist? And he's like, yeah. And after that, I was just like, yeah, that kind of <laughs> takes all the fun out of it, even though I enjoy the philosophical stuff. And they do have reading lists where you can go and find all the information that they talk about in the show. Um the show just didn't wasn't fun for me after that. If if I see that, yes. if I see that coming that far ahead, uh, I, I just I just it's very easy for me to just go eh, pass. Well, you, you might you might be missing on a good show because you figured out the yeah, the twist, the twist my, is not the point. No, I know. I, that. I, I, I sat I sat down my wife to watch Gargoyles and she's like, oh, I like this show. And then she went on the wiki and read all of it. Yeah, and yeah. then she was like, eh, I don't think I need to see this show anymore. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> so then the other day I sat her back down to watch Gargoyles and she's like, hey, this show is pretty good. And I'm like, that is what I am saying. <laughs> and stay away from the TV tropes pages. Yeah, I don't Even if you know what's going to but... happen doesn't mean that the show's. No, 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 no. Any. But this was one of those that, you know, everybody was all hype about it going, oh, uh, you'll never see the twist coming. And I was like, well, I saw the twist coming in episode one. And that kind of. You know, when everyone says, you'll never figure this out, and then I figure it out, it's like, well, then it must not be that good. Uh, so, you know, you know, it just gets that mindset. Not saying that it's not a good show, because you're right, Matthew. I have watched little clips that have popped up on YouTube and other places where, um, what's his name? Uh, Cootie? Coot? What's his name? What's the? Cheedy. Cheedy. Yeah, yeah. Where he's sitting there, you know, sharing some philosophical thing to uh, to our to our main character. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is really good. I want a lot of this. And I want to read more about this. And I want to take a deep dive into this. Uh, you know, so for that, yeah, I would probably agree with you, Matthew. It has won so many awards and yeah. it has got a, so much pri- praise. It's definitely a show worth tr- checking out. Um, but uh, yeah, it's probably not what I'm probably going to go back and revisit. <laughs> nope. You should watch it. You should watch all four sets. Not the making. You should watch them in order and you should watch them multiple times yeah. because they're better than Watchmen. There is, mm, there is so know. much. There is so much TV. Yeah, there. That's the other problem, right? Because when I was when I was looking through these lists or to to start making a list, um, I forget what show like, which is great. I forgot what show it was, but there was a show (laughs) there, and I was like, "This show came out in 2015." I keep telling myself that I'm going to watch that show, and it's been five years. Yes, there's a lot of shows (laughs) like that on my list that people have recommended. I was going to run through some of the shows that I didn't get on my list, but they've all slipped my mind at the moment. 
uh, just because yeah. of when they came out. And it's just like, no, that's a, that's a really good show. Why wasn't that on my list? It's like, no, because these are shows that I have, you know, Altered Carbon didn't make my list. And I've seen that multiple times. Yeah. You know, there's just so much stuff on the on the list and so many so much content. I don't think we can ever get through it all. In fact, there was a show that I just was I was having a long discussion with um, some of our international listeners during one of my live streams this week about a show that just hit Netflix from Sweden. And it's really good. It's really it's really uh, interesting. But apparently it caused all sorts of controversy over in Sweden. And uh, I really enjoyed that show. Didn't make my list. I, I found it good, but I didn't find it like. You know, I'm, you know, I, I don't know. There's just so much TV, so much content to see. There's no way we're going to be able to see all of it. So your, your watch list, Rodrigo, is just going to have to keep getting longer and longer yeah. and longer. So that someday when, you know, when we're trapped at home. What do you need a DVR for? Just, You're yeah, eventually going to fill up that space. Like, what I can do is I can I, go to I Netflix. Had, if I had a DVR, I would also need to have cable. Yeah, cable. I don't have cable either. So stop DVRing the news. You're never going to catch up. We don't DVR the news. No, I, we don't have DVRs because we don't have cable television, Matthew. That's that's the thing you you're missing. Get a DVR. They're awesome. But uh, yeah, we can just add all the things to the watch list. And maybe someday if we're ever forced to stay home for some reason and do nothing for months on end, except for log into a Zoom meeting every once in a while, maybe we can sit down and watch some of these shows. But even then, <laughs> I have a feeling I'm going to be too busy. I mean, I am catching up on some anime. And I didn't include any because it's always it always gets confusing. It's like, well, mm -hmm. it's like it came out in 2015, but in Japan it came out in 1997. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's some of those shows on my list like that too. Uh, so I'm just uh, grabbing what looks interesting, and uh, like I said, my list uh, does keep getting a little bit longer each time. Listeners, what is on your favorite show list from the last five years? Uh, it's on your DVR. <laughs> <laughs> Man. <laughs> Uh, That's uh, Matthew's new podcast. What's on the DVR? Yeah, we'll see if that ever gets done. Uh, okay, uh, here's what you need to do. Let us know what is on your top five list. Head over to our Discord server, jump in the top five channel, and then a share, share away. Some people are going to agree with you. Some people are going to disagree with you. Some people will go, I've never heard of that show before. And you'll say, well, let me tell you why it's so good. And then they'll say, well, thank you for sharing your list because I think we all understand that everybody loves a list. Take care, everyone, and we will talk with you soon. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.